It's so great to be able to preach here in the 11 o'clock service. This is an honor I don't often get. So to Bob Johnston, thank you for this opportunity. Um, and all of you who are watching, we know that your numbers are great and we're so glad you're with us today. As I look out here, I see, you know, the first third of the church filled today. And Bob Johnston sent me an email kind of later in the week and he said, Ken, I'm looking at the reservations and it doesn't show many people coming to the 11 o'clock service. I wonder if our reservation system is broken. And I paused a minute and I said, no, the reservation system's working just fine. The title of the sermon is Giving. <laughs> that explains everything. People will just as soon stay on their couch at home a safe distance away. But what I'd like to do today is I would like to talk very practically about giving. It's actually a subject I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about it, some practical things about giving. Um, one of the things that they often say in this service is, if it doesn't matter on Monday, it's not worth talking about on Sunday. So what I talk to you about today is going to matter Monday as well as today. Um, but first, a, a joke. Um, Bob Johnston is the consummate joke teller. And so I think I'll get us just started in, in a joke. Um, so there was two men on a desert island, and one of them was very worried and pacing, and the other was just laid back, sunning himself against the palm tree, and they were completely, it was a deserted island, nothing for as far as the eye could see. And the man who was worried and he was pacing, he says, aren't you worried that nobody will be able to find us and we'll die here? And the other man smiled, relaxed. He said, oh no, I make $10,000 a week. I tithe to my church. This is stewardship month, so my pastor will find me. <laughs> oh, groan. So we are going to talk about giving today. And before we talk about the practicality of giving, I want to talk about God the giver, because that's really where we have to begin. Um, we can, this can sound very human-based. What do we give? How hard do we work? And I want to root this entirely in God. Catherine Tanner, who's a theologian at the University of Chicago, she's written a book on the Holy Trinity, and she has a particular take on it. But her thesis, her primary discovery, is that the thing that marks God as unique, the thing that marks God as distinct, is his generosity, that God is a giver. And you might say, well, yeah, I would expect God to be generous. But no, I want you to look at the Godhead. I want you to look at the action of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and ask yourself if giving is not at God's very heart. So you have God the Creator. And I love how the Eastern Orthodox talk about creation. They say that God's, in God's self, there was so much love, there was so much abundance. You know, sometimes you hear that God was lonely and he wanted to make a companion not the Eastern Orthodox. They say that there was so much love, there was so much perfection in the Godhead that it spilled over and the abundance was creation. So you and me and the earth we walk on and the interstellar space, imagine that all of that is simply an overflowing of God's love. So you have God, the creator, the giver. And then God, the son, whom we talk about every Sunday, whom we follow. This is discipleship series. We claim to follow Jesus, and at Jesus' very center was a giving spirit, such that he gave his life that we might be saved. He held nothing back. He gave his entire being to God, trusting that God the Father would hold him and redeem him. And that's why we call him Christ the Redeemer. So you have God the Creator. You have God the Redeemer. And then God the Holy Spirit, God the Sanctifier. 
And God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is dwelling with us day by day, leading us into all truth, giving us courage for the living of these days, preparing us for the coming of God, constantly pouring God's self out on behalf of the community, the world community, and the Christian community. So when you think about God, who God is at God's essence, it's God as giver. It's God as generous one. It's God whose love is so full that it overflows and creates the world as we know it. So that's our starting point. And that's why when I say I don't mind talking about giving in the church, it's because I'm talking about God. I'm talking about something that is central to who God is. And there's no shame in that. In this day and age that we live in, um, I would also suggest to you that giving, real discipleship, sacrificial giving is countercultural. And it's not that people aren't generous and it's not that they don't donate to worthy things. But if you think about the world we live in and the amount of animosity and the amount of distrust and the amount of division, there's a natural tendency to say, I think I will keep my treasure. I think I will keep my money close to home. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I don't know how much more apocalyptic this is going to get. I'm going to hunker down, right? I'm going to, I'm going to build a bul bulwark for the future. So when we give in a time like this, in a time of pandemic, in a time of political animosity, do you know what we're doing? We're putting a stake in the sand for hope. And we are saying that God is even now doing a new thing, that God is even now preparing the world for a greater expression of God's love. So when we are able to summon our courage and to give sacrificially, even in a time like this, we are saying there's only one person, one being that I can put my trust in, and that's God. And so I am going to really let my treasure lead me and let my heart follow, because those of you who know about money, you know that's true. You know that where your treasure is, your heart is. That's what the Bible says. It's very wise. And so when we claim the hope of what God is doing in the world, even amidst all the din that surrounds us, we are being hopeful for the future that God is going to do a new thing. So let's talk about giving. Um, and some of you could teach me a lot about giving. Uh, I would say some of the things I'm going to talk about today are relatively new for me within the past probably five to 10 years. Um, before that, I loved the church. Uh, whenever stewardship season was come, I would always give. But it really was a sense of what do I have left over? What, what can I give the church of what I have left? And in the last five to 10 years, I have had a sea change in how I understand giving and how I understand um, the, the money that God has given to me. Um, and so I'm reordering some things. But I want to say to you, I believe there are some of you out there who could teach me about giving. I don't claim to be an expert. I just claim to be one who has taken Jesus at his word and am beginning to shift in a direction um, that makes that a priority. So that gets to my first point about giving, which is it's a choice and it's a behavior. It is not primarily a feeling. You might feel good when you put money in the plate. You might feel good when you write a check in the stewardship campaign, but that's not why you do it. You're doing it because you're making a choice to make giving a priority, and you're letting your behavior lead you into faithfulness. So it's interesting. Sometimes if you listen to people who go to church, there's a sense of, well, that sermon was good. I think I'm going to give an extra $10 in the plate today. Or that program, I mean, it's just really doing great. It almost becomes like a tip, like great job, and we're going to give you a tip. But that's nothing to do with Christian faithfulness. 
Christian faithfulness is saying, and here's the next part of what I want to say about giving, first fruits. You've heard this before, but I want you to imagine it. I want you to think about the income you receive. And if you want to do after taxes, that's fine, because in a sense, it never was yours to begin with. But take the corpus of your income and say, what am I going to give off the top? First fruits, not at the end of the month, not if I can manage it. What am I going to do first? I have to take a deep breath when I say that because that means there's such a sense of trust that God will bless your giving and it reorients how you live your life. So first fruits, what am I going to do first? Second, give proportionally. Now, you know that in the Bible, it talks about the tithe, which is 10%. Um, But I would say, wherever you are in your giving journey, give proportionally. Pick a percent of your income off the top that you will give to God, to the church. And remember, when I'm talking about giving, part of it is St. Michael. Part of it is the church. But I know that you have things that are worthy things to give to. In my situation, I have a family member who is in retirement and without the support of me and my brothers would not be able to live. And so I consider that contribution that I make to this family member a part of my giving. So I don't want you to get too wrapped up that you know everything has to be St. Michael. But as your church and as your primary community, a significant portion of your proportional giving should be to St. Michael and to the church. Not because of us, not because you like us or don't like us, but because the church is the outpost of the kingdom of God and Christ is the cornerstone. And when you give money to the church, you are investing in that future of the kingdom of God. The church is unique like nothing else. So proportional giving. Um, When I made this shift in my life, uh, there was a priest named Jerry Kuchar. And he was um, a canon in the Diocese of New York. And he came and taught at my church once. And for whatever reason, I was able to hear him that night. And he talked about proportional giving, just choosing a percent. Again, you don't have to begin at 10%. Some of you may be there. Great. But if if that sounds completely mind-blowing and scary, what if you were to do 2%? 2% of your income to the work of the church and to good, good works. What you'll find is whatever percent you choose, it's probably more than you're giving now if you're not doing proportional giving. Because there's something about that um, percentage, which is a substantial portion of your income. So I invite you to think about that and wonder about that for yourself. What percentage could you give to God? That's something to, to aspire to. So we're talking about off the top, first fruits, We're talking about proportional giving. And I want to say something under this that's very important. Do not see your pledge as a bill. That is the surest way to kill your spirit. If you feel like you are paying a bill, it will kill you. And if you do first fruits, if you put it first, then you realize it's actually about thanksgiving for all of God's gifts. So it becomes less like a bill. And let me tell you another way that you'll be saved from the bill mentality. If you have a period in your life where you have no income, you don't have to give money. That is the biggest fear is that we'll somehow make a pledge. We'll get in a situation where we don't have income coming in and therefore we can't possibly meet our pledge. If you are not receiving income or money in, do not give money. But if you do receive money or income from work 
or capital gains or some expected bonus or anything like that, if you were to take first fruits off of that, you see how it works? So the idea is it is always an act of thanksgiving to God who gives so generously, not I have to squeeze the juice out of this lemon no matter what my financial situation is. And let me just talk to some of the folks at home. I understand that some of you have lost your jobs. I understand that some of you do not have a source of income right now. And the last thing I want you to feel is a sense of anxiety and a sense of inadequacy because of your situation. Be at peace. Be at peace. This is not meant to harm you. This is meant to be good news. This is meant to be an act of thanksgiving. And we need to say that because there are people in our community who are struggling and, and who just do not have a source of income coming in. Be at peace. We do invite you, encourage you to make a pledge. Now, I know for some of you, because of your foundations, you can't make a pledge, you give, we're grateful for that. So however you give, we are grateful. The reason we do a pledge is it just tells us your intention so that as we're planning for the year, we can plan appropriately. It's as simple as that. Um, but know that your giving is blessed, whether it's a pledge, whether it's a gift, a grant, um, but pledging just helps us be able to plan. And that's why we talk about a pledge for the new year. And then the last thing I want to say about um, giving under this practical section is we have a tension. In the Bible, it says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And the idea is that you want to be discreet. You don't want to wear it on your sleeve that, hey, I'm giving this and aren't I great? And that is true. It is not meant for public pronouncement. However, in your family, with your spouse, especially with your kids, Talk to them. Tell them what your priorities are. Tell them when you're getting ready to make your pledge. Maybe consider telling them what it is and how much. Because I will tell you, your children are paying attention. They want to learn. And they can't know how to be a disciple who gives if they don't see it modeled. And so for some of you, I know that's going to be a scary place. Um, it's kind of like we keep this secret. But let me tell you a story of why this has been important in my life. When I was young, um, I lived in Mandeville, Louisiana, which is right across the lake from New Orleans. Uh, it's right across Lake Pontchartrain. And we went to a little church called uh, Mandeville Union Protestant Church, now Mandeville Bible Church. It, classic family-sized uh, church. Uh, maybe 60 people on a Sunday. Deeply, closely knit community. I always sat in the same pew behind Mrs. Denninger, who was probably perpetually 95 years old, but we always had our spot and we would always sit as a family in the same spot. And when the offering came, my father had his own offering, but he would always give a dollar bill folded up to each of the boys. Now you might say, okay, a dollar, what's the big deal? Do you know what that did? That meant every Sunday I was taking my hand, I was taking the money, I was placing it in the plate. You do that week in, week out, year in, year out, your muscles learn about the art of giving. It's your body. It's, it's, it's establishing a pattern. And so for those of you who are here in church, we can't even pass the offering plate. We have such trust. We're not worried about that, but they are as outside as you go out the door. But think about how do you get your kids involved in this process? Do you tell them what you give? Do you tell them your own anxiety and struggles about money? I have anxiety around money. When I was in high school, my dad lost everything in a bad investment. And so all the money that I thought was going to help me for college, nothing. I was scared of money for the longest time. I was resistant. 
I thought, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation like that again where I don't have what I need. And that, hear that language? It's that fear. And that what we're trying to do in our lives is move more and more into trust and to say, God's got us. God's got us. We, we, can, we can trust in that embrace. At St. Michael, I talked about this a little bit. Um, the church is unique. I want you to give to the homeless. I want you to give um, to children who need internet, to Jubilee, all of these great uh, things that are doing work in the world. By all means, let that be part of your giving and understand the distinctiveness of church, that the church alone claims to be uh, with Christ at the center and to build for the kingdom of God. That is a unique calling. And so you have to ask yourself in your discipleship, in your following of Christ, does that church giving become a substantial portion of your giving because of the hope that it entails? At St. Michael this coming year, uh, we are excited about some things we're doing, and it will only be by virtue of yours and our generosity. Uh, we are going to hire a new director of engagement who is going to really coordinate our welcome ministry on the one hand so that people feel a sense, um, a bridge of coming in, that they're seen but then also track their involvement in the church. We're actually calling it tracing. Tracking sounds like something's implanted in your neck. That's not the sense we want to give. A tracing of your involvement at St. Michael so that as you enter in more deeply, um, there might be some small groups you want to become part of and things like that. So this director of engagement is going to both, both meet people at the front door and then help them during their time at St. Michael get more and more engaged. That's a director level position, and we're going to need resources to be able to do that. We're also beginning to think at St. Michael in a serious way about our whole approach to money. We have some of the best accountants that a church would ever have. Our expenses are really carefully managed. Where we do not have as much depth is in giving, development, donor, uh, wills, right? Advanced planning. It's strangely absent. And so what we want is our finance department to be solid in terms of accounting, but also solid in terms of growing and developing. And so we're going to be looking at whether we need to make a hire in that area as well. So these are just some strategic things I want you to be aware of, as well as the, um, the teaching and the formation and the pastoral care um, and the mission and outreach, all of those things that make St. Michael so unique. These are some things where we're pushing into new areas and we will need your help to be able to do that, not for our sake, not for our ego, but for the kingdom of God because we really believe we're called for a purpose, on purpose, and we want to fulfill that. So thank you for that. So what have we said today? We said our giving comes from God, who is a giver. We've said that our giving is an act of hope in a world that is hopeless. We're saying that our giving is not just as a bystander. Our giving is as a disciple. And what that means is it is first, it is proportional, and it is wholehearted. It's not just paying a bill. I am grateful for you. I am grateful for your gifts, not only of money, but those of you who make this service operate, those who sit at desks and welcome people. You know your involvement and your engagement at St. Michael. And I just want to say thank you. And God thanks you. And God will bless your choices and your behavior so that more and more, we will begin to reflect God's kingdom, not the world's kingdom. And if we're doing it right, we're going to look really different than the world around us. And it's going to be so compelling and so attractive 
that people will want to come in. Thank you. God bless you. Oh God, our loving creator and giver of all good gifts, bless our parish, strengthen our faith, and grant us the spirit of Christian stewardship so that we may give generously of our time, talent, and treasure to spread your kingdom here in our church and through the world. For this we pray to the Lord. Amen.